Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. It's a great day to be in the house. I'm so grateful to be here with you today. If you would stand with me, I'm going to read real quick. I want to say thank you to the worship team. Thank you, thank you. Always a blessing uh, to come in and there's an anointed worship that lifts us up. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, I want to uh, I want to go to this passage in Ezekiel 37 today. If you don't know, we are one Sunday past Easter. Now, uh, if you if you ever get into church strategy stuff, this is the sun, this is the least attended Sunday of the year. Um, but I, I hope it's not here today because uh, I got a word and I feel it in my spirit. You know, sometimes um, sometimes we're in between kind of a message series, and that's where I find myself today. So I, um, I honestly, I wanted to put, I was so excited about our Easter theme being death canceled, uh, but I was also trying to be mindful of time uh, since it was Easter, um, and I know people had Easter dinners and Easter photos and egg hunts and all of that stuff to get to, but there's this great story, and I'm just going to call this life in the valley, but there's this great story where death was canceled in a valley. And I wanted to work this in on, on Easter. It was in my spirit uh, that, there's, that there's life even in the valley. Uh, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit today. But I, I want to maybe share a little faith, share a little vision, because um, I'm just excited. My heart is full. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I, thank you for Tom and Erica. They, they told me they wanted to take over the announcements today. And um, I, I kind of had an idea of what was going to happen, but um, they, they blessed me, and, um, and it is true. Uh, my wife and I have now been privileged to lead the church for 10 years, actually this week, and um, I've been getting in my feels a little bit and nostalgic, and uh, just about all the folks that have uh, traveled this journey with us, and, um, and we, we, had, we had, I don't know, we had extra chairs in here last week. Uh, I think our capacity was like right under 200. It was like 190-something. And then both services were truly full. And I know they were full over in the kids' service, uh, overflowing in the second one. First one was comfortably full, I was told. And um, comfortable, I was told. And um, God's blessing us and growing us. And I'm just, uh, I, I think... Um, I, I think what God has for us is greater than maybe these four walls right here. And so I, I, uh, I believe that, that oftentimes there are things within God's path for us, but oftentimes our faithfulness determines the pace. And oftentimes even our giving determines the pace. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about faith today, and that's just, that's just where my heart is. So I'm going to read this quick. I'm in the New Living today. I don't know how anointed that is, but I just, like, uh, I just like this first line here. It says, everybody say this with me, the Lord took hold of me. And, and I love that because the King James says, 
the Lord's hand, thy hand was upon me. But, but I like this, the Lord took a hold of me. The Lord took a hold of me. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. And then the Lord asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? He says, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones... We've been singing this song. Everybody's getting excited about this. I like this. Uh, folks, been, we've been singing this song, Dry Bones, Hear the Word of the Lord. And if you ever wondered where that came from, it came from right here. Dry Bones, Hear the Word of the Lord. And he says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will breathe, put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly I spoke, and there was a rattling noise. Rattling noise all across the valley. You know, I, think, I just think that church ought to be a little noisy sometimes. I, I get a little worried when there's no noise in the church. Uh, I, when I was younger, before I was pastoring, people would invite me out to preach. And I would always kind of gauge that church based on how loud the worship was. You know, it was like, hey, this church, somebody said, this church is like the first church of the frigid air. That's not a church you want to preach at. You want to preach at a church that's on fire. I just think a quiet church is a dying church. I think a loud church is a living church. Just that, that's just me. Verse 8, it says, Then as I watched, muscles and flesh form over the bones, skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Now watch that. They looked the part, but there was no spirit in them. There was no breath in them. And it's possible to look the part, but not have the Holy Spirit. It's possible to know when to clap. It's possible to know when to raise your hand possible to know when to say amen and I'll hey do all that stuff even before you feel it sometimes but we can look the part and not have the spirit inside of us so here's what it said it said then uh, as uh, then it said then he said to me then he said to me speak a prophetic message to the wind son of man speak a prophetic message and say this is what the sovereign Lord says come O breath from the four winds breathe into these dead bodies so they might live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. Breath came in. They all came to life. Stood up on their feet a great army. Greet somebody around you. Greet somebody around you. Greet somebody around you. Wave somebody. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to try to. You know, I love how that text starts because Ezekiel is in a valley. But the first thing that you've got to recognize in a valley is that God is with you. And immediately that's what he said. I'm in a valley, but the Lord took a hold of me. That's why I wanted to use that translation is because I like that image of God grabbed me. He got a hold of me. And 
And I remember all through 2020, I was probably preaching to myself a lot, but I felt like I even remember challenging myself at one time. I thought, Ryan, you just keep preaching that God's with folks. Do you got any, anything else in your spirit? And, and I remember thinking, no, that, that's what David said in Psalm 23. Even though I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, I, I, I'm not going to fear because why? He's with me. <laughs> and so, and so I, I think it's important to understand that even in a valley, God's with us. In a mountain, we know He's with us. But in a valley, we need reminded that He's with us. In a tropical paradise, it's like, hey, God's with me. This place is beautiful. But I need reminded that God's with me in the snowstorm and the thunderstorm and the waves and the wind. That's when I need to say, hey, Jesus, are you with us? Are you awake? But I've learned that I would rather be in a valley with God than on a mountaintop without God. That's what I've learned. I've learned that my best day walking with the Lord is better, my worst day walking with the Lord is better than my worst day without Him. His presence makes that big of a difference. That's why He said the Lord took a hold of me. I like what the message said. It said God grabbed me. God grabbed me. That's intense. That's strong. But I wonder if there's anybody that would be a witness to the fact that there's been times that God grabbed a hold of me. There was a season that God carried me. There, there was a day when God picked me up. There, there, was, there was a season where it just I knew that God was carrying me through that. And so the first thing I want you to know today is that God's hand is on you. If you are walking with the Lord, know that His hand is on you. It doesn't matter where you're walking. If you're walking with Him, His hand is on you. I want you to receive that. Don't look at your surroundings and determine, is God with me? If I'm walking with Him, His hand is on me. No matter what I see around me, I'm walking with Him. And his hand is on me. And, and notice this. It, it doesn't say in this valley season, I grabbed a hold of God. It said he grabbed a hold of me. Now, I should have been grabbing onto him. It, it should have been, hey, Lord, I, I'm not letting you go. Like Jacob, I'm not letting you go. I'm grabbing a hold of you. But guess what? It said he's grabbing a hold of us because he'll never let us down. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But (laughs) sometimes I'll walk away from him. Sometimes I'll let go of him. Sometimes I'll let him down. Sometimes I'll fail him. Sometimes I'll let go. But guess what? Even in the valley, Ezekiel said he was grabbing hold of me. That's good news today. Now, this was a valley of loss, but life came out of this valley of loss. This was a valley where a battle had been lost, and there was evidence of this army that had lost their battle. It was a valley of setback. It was a valley where things did not go their way, but God was able to bring life out of a valley situation where things did not go their way. 
And I think that we've all been in times where things did not go our way and we begin to question if maybe God is no longer with us or maybe God's hand is no longer on us. But I love what David said. He said, even though I walk, he said, yeah, even though I walk through a valley of shadows, he's with me. Even though I walk through a valley of death, he's with me. And, and, and don't be discouraged because he's got a tool set to get you through it. He's got a rod. He's got a staff. He, he knows just how to lead you. And so don't be discouraged in the middle of it because God's going to do something in it and through it. I thought about this. I thought, in fact, sometimes the resistance shows me I'm going the right way. Because if I just give up and go with the current, that's comfortable. But I'm not going where I'm supposed to go. In fact, I've learned that actually resistance sometimes is a, is, a, is a proof to me that I'm doing something right. I'll just give you something simple, but you know, physical oftentimes reflects the spiritual, right? I, push-ups are good for you. They say that's the best exercise that you can do because it, it, it engages your core. It's kind of a plank. It, 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 almost all of your muscles are engaged. You do a push-up, but I'll tell you, there's resistance doing that. It's not the, I'll tell you, laying in bed is more comfortable than doing a push-up. But a push-up's good for you. In fact, 20, 25 of them are good for you. But it's more comfortable, Erica said, to just roll over and hit the snooze. But it ain't good for you. So resist. I've learned that the spiritual is true as well. I don't know about getting up early, go to church to pray. But it's good for you. I don't know about going to such a... It's good for you. I, I, uh, I use this example a lot because it's true. And so many folks in the church have told me this testimony. They, they've come to me and said, Pastor, my car broke down this week. I'm sorry, man. What happened? I don't know. I just went out to start it. And it just, it just wouldn't turn over. So I got the mechanic and he fixed it. And then I went to work and I come out. My tire was flat. There was a nail in it. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That's crazy. What happened? I had to put a donut on there, and I'm waiting to get 85 bucks or whatever to, to buy a, a whatever, this and that. And they said, but you know, and then my electric bill went up. Oh, man, this is bad. What's going on? And they said, I think I know what happened. I tithed on Sunday. I say, hey, I've been, I know what you're talking about. But it's because the enemy brings a resistance to a place that you're taking territory from them. And oftentimes, when you begin to take territory, there's a resistance. Because the enemy knows you're going in the direction you're supposed to go. But I have learned that when that resistance comes, I ought to keep pushing. Because there's a blessing on the other side of that resistance. There's a victory on the other side of that resistance. And maybe I'm in a valley because I had to go through the valley to go to the next mountaintop. I was on the mountain, I got to go through the valley to get to the next mountain. And maybe God is doing something in me in this valley to prepare me for the next mountain. And the enemy is fighting me. Because he doesn't want me to go where God's leading me to go. And I also thought about this. In the valley, God can change the valley. God can change me in the valley, but he can also change the valley. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. 
He just can't. In fact, David reminded us that there's a blessing in the valley. There's provision in the valley. He said, God prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies in the valley. So oftentimes we're praying to get out of the valley, and God's saying, I have something for you in the valley. Oftentimes I'm praying, God, get me out of the valley, and God's saying, I've got provision for you in the valley. I want to provide for you in the valley. I want to bless you and elevate you and spotlight you in the presence of your enemies just to let them know they can't touch you. I can provide for you. I can bless you at any time, anywhere. And so many times we, we're, we're praying out of something that God's saying, I'm trying to provide for you right where you're at. I'm trying to bless you right where you're at. There's actually something I want to do right then and there. There's a breakthrough. There's a testimony. There's a God story. There's, there's something that I want to do there to where when you get through it, you can look back and say, I'm no longer afraid of the valley because God blessed me in the valley. God shaped me in the valley. God molded me in the valley. And God did what only he can do, bringing something good out of something bad. And you'll be able to say, hey, God got me through the valley. You'll be able to look back and say, hey, you're in the valley right now, but I want to tell you, I've been where you've been. But God will lead you through. And that's the testimony God wants to give you. I thought about this. How many would agree with this? I think that testimonies are more powerful than perfect conditions. You know, you know, you know the, the, the bumper sticker, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. I believe that. You know the, the bumper sticker, blessed and highly favored? That's good. I believe that. Uh, we're blessed going in. We're blessed coming out. I think we got that on a picture frame in our house. I believe that. You ever, you ever shake hands with somebody at church? How you doing? Oh, brother, I'm blessed. Highly favored. And really, they're, they're not feeling that way. And, and, and I'm going to get there. It's okay to prophesy to dead bones. So it's all right to say, hey, I'm blessed. And to still recognize you're blessed even though you're walking through something. But I'll tell you that there's also something to be said for, hey, I'm in a valley right now, but I'm blessed in the valley. I'm in a valley right now, but I am provided for in the valley. But I am in a valley. And, and God is more concerned with your destination than he is your location. My destination is heaven. And if, if I get there and it was, you, you ever see the map in the back of your Bible? I guess everybody's got digital Bibles. I had like one, one person. You ever seen those maps in the back of your Bible? They made it to the promised land. But you ever see how they got there? They got there. I think my map's going to be like that. I'm going to get to the promised land, but it was, I guess nobody wants to help me preach in the first service. <laughs> nobody wants to be real now. But, but my journey might be a little bit like this, but I got to the promised land. That's because he's more concerned with your destination than your location. What was that old song we used to sing? 
uh, Lord, Annette knows I'm going to look at her, Lord, do anything you got to do, but don't let me be lost, something like that. Above all else, I must be saved. Hey, if I got to go over here and down there and up there and da-da-da-da-da, hey, as long as I make it to the promised land. And, and Jesus actually told us, he said, he, he never said deny your mountain. He said speak to your mountain. And I think the same thing holds true with the valley. Don't have to deny my valley, but I'm going to speak to my valley. I, I'm not going to deny, if I'm in a valley, I'm not going to deny that I'm in a valley. Hey, I lost my job. Hey, my tire went flat. Hey, I'm sick. Hey, I'm going through something. But I'm going to start speaking to my valley. I'm not going to be here for long. I'm not parking my car here. I'm not building my house here. David said, they though I walk through the valley. I'm not parking my car in the valley. I'm not building a house in the valley. But I'm not denying the valley. I'm going to speak to the valley. Say, I'm not going to be here long. I'm walking through the valley. (laughs) Somebody ought to get a hold of that right there. Somebody ought to say amen to that. I'm walking through the valley. But remember, there's dry bones in the valley. And while I'm walking in the valley, God might have an assignment for me. Maybe there's somebody he wants me to meet in the valley that I would have never met on the mountaintop. Maybe he wants me to be able to relate to somebody in the valley that I would have never been able to relate to if I was only in the mountaintop. I've been there. You, 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 you're having a hard time paying a life? I've been there. You, you're sick? I've been there. You're going through loss? I've been there. You're having trouble with your family? I've been there. And maybe the valley time is for you to be able to speak life into dry bones. I just feel like, I love what Erica said about our church. I just feel like, I feel like we need a church where people can walk in and say, hey, they're in the same valley I'm in. They were been in the same valley I've been in. But the difference is, they got peace in the valley. And I want some of that peace in the valley. They got joy in the valley. And I want some joy in the valley. They, they've got God with them in the valley. They have the Lord's rod, the Lord's staff in the valley. I want some of that in my valley. And the difference is God grabbed Ezekiel in the valley. Let that be our testimony. I think we need a church like that. And that's not just saying I'm blessed and highly favored all the time, but saying, you know what? I was down and God picked me up. I was out and God brought me in. I was lost and now I'm saved. I, I was mixed up and now I'm that's what, the, that's what we need. That's why I say I think testimonies are more, pow- are more powerful than perfect conditions all the time. You know, it says in, in 37 verse 3, it said, Then he asked me, Son, can these bones live again? This is what God is, I believe, asking all of us. Can these things come to life again in your life? Can, can, can your family be saved? Can your business be blessed? Can Jesus reach this city? Can God do a miracle in our life? Can God lead this church into its next season, its next chapter? Can can God provide manna in the wilderness? Can, can, Can something that died in your life come back and be resurrected again? Can you believe for that again? Can you dream for that again? Can you believe for that again? Can you pray for that again? Son, can you believe for that again? 
Daughter, can you pray for that again? Can, can, can you walk with me again? You know, uh, they actually say that, that humanity, that in our mind, and, and, and there's this defense mechanism that we all, we all bend toward negativity. We all, we all look for the bad. We all look for the danger. We look for the problem. It's, it's just a defense mechanism that we have. We're looking for danger. We're looking for the problem. We're looking for something to, to, to derail us. We're, we're looking for a reason not to believe that it can happen. We're looking for a reason not to believe a miracle can happen. It's just, it's just how our brains over time begin to, to be wired. I, 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 was, uh, I was at, we were, we were at like a family thing on Easter, and I, we were talking about golf. And I was saying, I haven't golfed in a long time. And um, somebody in my family, we were talking about this specific golf course. And I said, oh, yeah, I know that golf course. Now, I'm not a good golfer. I'm terrible. In fact, if we all went out right now, it would be one of the worst. So, but everybody has a good day, right? Is that true? Everybody has a good day? So I hate telling stories about myself. It just fits so well. So I told him, I said, you know what? That is the, that is the, that is the course that I hit my first birdie. Now, if you don't have to be a golfer to understand this story. A birdie means you were one shot under par. Okay, so we were, and I told him, I said, I remember, I still remember the hole. It was elevated. You're on the tee box down here, and it goes up, and, and the, the hole is up here. And he said, yeah, that's the ninth hole. He grew up playing at that course. He said, yeah, that's the ninth hole. And I said, oh, okay, yeah. And I told him the story that I'm going to tell now. I said, I was with my cousin, and I remember shooting up to the green, and I kind of lost it because it was elevated and the sun was out and whatever else. And I get up to the green and I'm thinking, where's my ball? I can't find it. That was a great shot. And so I go over the hill and I don't see it. I come, I think maybe it must have rolled down. I walk down the hill. I don't see it. I go left. I go right. I don't see it. I'm in the bushes. I'm walking around. I'm like, man, I thought that was a good shot. Where did the ball go? And now I'm frustrated. I'm losing the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying, where is that Titleist 3 at? Where did that thing go? And, and my cousin's like, we got to go, man. There's people behind us. You got to just, you just got to drop a new ball and hit. So I drop a new ball and I'm mad and I, you know, and I putt and I, and I putt it in and my ball was in the cup the whole time. And you know, we're just like, I, I didn't even occur to me that I could have made the shot and maybe instead of checking all the bushes, check the cup. But you know, that's how we all are sometimes. God wants to do a miracle, but you can't even believe it will happen. God wants to bless you, but you can't even believe it will happen. God wants to do something in your life, and we can't even believe that it will happen sometimes. Some of y'all just raise faith in the house today and say, I believe God can do it. I believe God can do it for me. I believe God can do it right here in this valley. David said, I, he said, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so that's why God says, do you believe that, this, that the bones can live? Do you believe you can be healed? Do you believe your family can be restored? Do you believe I can return you? Do you believe I can revive you? Do you believe? Because if you'll believe, anything is possible. How many say amen to that? Amen. You know, um, this, uh, uh, the, the next thing I want to say is, you know, God knows even when we don't. And that's because he knows the end from the beginning. 
I only know the beginning to right now, but he knows the end to the beginning. Ezekiel 37, 3, the second part of that verse, part B, it says, Oh, sovereign Lord, this was his reply. You alone know the answer to that. And I love his faith because he says, God, you know what I don't know. I, I think what he was saying is, it, it was real, it was raw, it was relatable faith. I think he was saying almost like, almost like uh, the, the man did in the New Testament. I know you can, but are you willing? Like, God, I know you can do that, but is it your will? And the prophet says, Lord, only you know. And notice he says, sovereign Lord, meaning you have sovereignty over everything. So I think that, that gives a clue to where his faith was. Lord, you're sovereign over everything. You alone know that answer. But I love how raw and real and relatable he is in that moment because I've been that way with God, and I think all of us have been that way with God. I'll tell you, faith is usually not 100%. It's usually a pie chart. It's almost like, uh, yeah, God, I think so. That's real. It's raw. It's relatable. How many know when you step out in faith, it's usually not 100%? I think when Peter stepped out of that boat, he might have had a life vest on. <laughs> I doubt it was 100% thinking, I'm going to walk on this water. Because remember, after a couple steps, he started sinking. And I think that it was like 60% his eyes are on Jesus, 20% his eyes are on the waves, 20% his eyes are on the, the, the storm, and is like, ah, 60-40 Jesus, 60-40 faith. That's kind of where we live sometimes. If we're being honest, when we pray for that miracle, it's kind of like 70% faith. We're praying for that healing. It's like 65% faith. We're praying for that financial blessing. It's like 5149 faith. How many have ever given in an offering and it's like 5149 faith? You're giving in an offering and it's like, oh. It's like, Lord, did you, is that the number you gave me? What's that thing about don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing? It's like, because your left hand's like, your right hand's trying to put it in the offering. Your left hand's pulling it back. It's like 5149. I think that's where we live sometimes. I love this, this boy's father in Mark 9, 24. It says, immediately the, the father ex cried out, instantly cried out, I do believe. But notice, before the sentence is over, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That sounds like a pie chart to me. It's 60-40. I do believe, but I also disbelieve. I believe, but I unbelieve. I, I have faith, but I, I, I'm struggling with that. I've just learned that we have to step out in faith even when it's not 100%. Because faith is not predicated on 100%. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So, so if I saw it, it wouldn't require faith. That's why it's not 100%. I think even on, even for me, even on, even on Sundays, you know, I, 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 Saturday night, Sunday morning, I, I still, 
I have this stress. I have this unbelief that will come up in me. And I'll say, Lord, is anybody going to be there on Sunday? I just had so-and-so cancel. I just had so-and-so back out for ushering. I just had somebody tell me they're sick, and I'm starting to think, man, I'm subtracting now. It's like, I think it's going to be me and my wife and kids there on Sunday. You know? You know how, you know how the enemy can get to you. But then I get here, and, I, and it's all good, and God's always faithful, and we, he always meets with us, and the word's always good, and the worship's always good. But, but Saturday night, I'm answering God with a question mark after my yes. Yes. But how many know our steps are ordered of the Lord? Take a step, he'll show you the next step. Take a step, he'll show you the next step. Take a step, he'll show you the next step. Jonathan was leading God's people against an enemy in the Old Testament. Jonathan, the friend of David, the son of Saul. And it was his responsibility to lead uh, his group out into battle. And, and they're saying, all right, Jonathan, what's the battle plan? Jonathan, what's the battle strategy? Jonathan, uh, what contingencies do we have? I don't know. The, the scripture didn't record it all, so I'm kind of, kind of uh, adding to it a little bit. But Jonathan, what if they come at us with arrows? What are we going to do? Jonathan, what if they come at us with swords? What are we going to do? What if they come at us from the south, not the north? What if they've got chariots? What if they've got those, those arrows with fire on the end of them? And Jonathan just says this. It's in 1 Samuel 14, 6. He says, let's go and maybe the Lord will fight for us. And he charged into battle with a maybe the Lord will fight for us. The King James said, perhaps the Lord will fight for us. I tell you, that's a powerful faith to just charge into battle and say, maybe the Lord will fight for us. I wonder if I can just give it to us how we all live today. Will God bless us? Maybe. Let's pray for it. Will God be with us? Maybe. Let's believe for it. Will God open a door? Maybe. Let's pray about it. Is God going to do a miracle? Maybe, but let's work toward it. That's where my faith is. I want to tell somebody today, can the bones live? Maybe, but I'm going to believe for it right now. I'm going to work for it right now. I'm going to chase after it right now. I'm going to go after it right now. Because God can do a lot with somebody that just says, maybe, maybe. You know, I... Uh, I remember, I, I, I was going to say, God knows even when we don't. God knows even when we don't. You know, there's been times in my life where I've really been praying for something, and I thought, maybe this is what God has for me. Maybe this is what God has for me. And I, 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 tried, I tried to ramp up my faith. I remember when my wife and I were young, it was before we had kids, and um, uh, we had an opportunity to buy a house. And I remember thinking, this is it. This is it. This is the house. This is the one. This is it. And, and I was praying, and I was believing, and I was, I was, I was fasting, and it was, I was like, Lord, this is, this, is the, this is the one. I think this is the one. And um, I even, I, I drove, drove by, you know, we had a realtor, and I would, even, I would just get excited about it. I'd just drive by even when I wasn't with the realtor, and I would get excited. And I remember I felt one time I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to claim this property. I'm going to just march around it. I'm just going to I'm just going to do this Jericho march. I'm excited about this. I just believe this is the house for us. 
And so I, I get out of my car and I just walk around. I thought, you know, I'm just going to walk around this. And it felt good. Nobody kicked me off. Nobody's dog bit me. I thought, well, Jericho was seven times. I need to, need to go lap number two here. Just going to go lap number two. And I was, in Jesus' name, this is, this, is our, this is our miracle territory right here. Lap three, lap four, lap five. I didn't have any trumpets for lap seven. But, you know, I just, all right, I think this is it. I think this is it, Lord. This is it. Deal fell through. Didn't get that house. But you know, God knows even when we don't. Because a few years ago, I was in that area of town, and I thought, you know what, I just want to drive by that house. And I drove through that neighborhood, and, and God bless everybody in that neighborhood. But there was like burned out cars parked in the, in the grass. You know, there was like somebody's boat sideways. You know, the grass was all high, and I thought, God does all things well. God does all things well. God does all things well. And oftentimes, I want to raise my faith to believe God can do it. But only you really know, Lord, what you're about to do in my life. And sometimes I think we limit God. <laughs> sometimes we limit God trying to tell him, hey, I want it to be just this way. I think there's a beauty in faith saying, Lord, you are sovereign. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are powerful. Lord, you have all ability. And Lord, if this is it, I thank you and I praise you and I mark this. But if God, you got another, I'm going to praise you for that too. And God knows even when we don't. And I feel that. I feel that. Music come. I'm going to come to a close today. You know, last thing I want to say, and I, I love this, is we've got to learn to prophesy to the bones. This is so, this is this this gets me excited right here about this idea of, of speaking to the bones. And I think I, I almost wanted to, to 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 say that third point differently because I feel like I turned people off already just by using that word prophesy, because everybody, most people here are probably thinking, well, that's not me. I don't prophesy, I can't prophesy to bones. It said in verse 4, it said, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Can I see verse number 5? He says in verse 4, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Dry bones, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5 says, then he said to me, uh, verse 5, you got verse 5, Carlins? Um, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I think that word prophesy turns people off sometimes, but here's all prophesy really is. Somebody put it really succinctly and really simply. They just said prophecy is future talk. That's all it is. It's future talk. Here's, here's the, the biblical definition. It's speaking under divine inspiration the word of God to predict the future. I love that. And so, very simply, all prophecy is, is speaking the word of God into my present situation. It's just speaking what God has already said to be true and applying it to my life, to my world, to my family, to my situation. 
And you can prophesy into somebody else's life. Sometimes it's as simple as this. Hey, it's going to be all right. Hey, God is with you. How can you say it's going to be all right? Because God said weeping might endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So I don't know when your morning is going to come, but I can speak the word of the Lord into your life and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Someday every tear is going to be wiped away. Someday every tear is going to dry up. That rain cloud can't rain forever. Someday that cloud is going to dry up and the sun is going to roll in. Sometimes prophecy is as simple as saying that to yourself. David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. And so prophecy is speaking God's word into my present reality, into my present situation. And prophecy is so powerful. And I'll tell you, you can do it at any time, any place, any day. All you have to do is have the Word of God in you. And Ezekiel got it in his spirit and he said, Hey, if God's got a hold of me and if God's hand is on me and if God is leading me in this way, I'm just going to step out in faith. Maybe it's 60% faith. Maybe it's 80% faith. But I'm just going to say, these dry bones are going to live again. And somebody ought to get the word of God in their spirit today and just say, you know what? By his stripes, I'm healed. By his blood, I'm saved. My family is covered. We're blessed going in. We're blessed going out. I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his seed begging bread. Somebody ought to get the word in their spirit today and say, my children are going to serve God. My children are going to serve God. I raised them in. They're not going to depart from it. Somebody ought to get that in their spirit today. That's all right. Stand with me. I want to close today, and I want to give you time and I want the church to help me today. Maybe just lead somebody else to the altar today. But I love that point. I love that point that sometimes we can look the part but not have the Spirit of God inside of us. I want to show you here because I think this is what we really need. We really need that wind. We really need that breath of God. Because the difference between the dry bones and that living strong army was the breath of God. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said in verse 9 of that passage, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they might live. Said in verse 10, so I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. I don't want to have a church that looks the part but doesn't have the wind. I don't want to have a church that has folks in the parking lot but not in the altar. I don't want to be a church that has people 
uh, all, all in all the you know Sunday school teachers and 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 all the right places and all the right people, but we don't have folks in the altar that can pray the Holy Spirit down. I, I don't want to have people that can hit every note on the worship team but not have people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want our church to be, to have the wind of the Holy Spirit every time we come into this house because it's the wind. It's the wind that brings life into dead bodies. It's the wind that brings healing to families. It's the wind that brings restoration to relationships. It's the wind that breaks chains. It's the wind that saves souls. It's the wind. It's the wind. And I knew I'd be preaching to the core of the church on the Sunday after Easter. And I just want to remind us, it's not the lights. It's not the music. It's not the landscaping. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. I wonder if we could come to the front today and just begin to pray that prayer and just say, Lord, I invite your spirit into my life. Lord, I invite your spirit into my home. Lord, I invite your spirit into this house right now. I wonder how many would come today. I wonder how many would come and just say, Lord, I need your spirit. Lord, I need your spirit. We've been having folks baptized in the Holy Spirit in these altars this year. I just think something that could happen today. I wonder how many come and just lift their hands and say, Lord, I need your spirit in my life. I need that breath. I need that wind to blow through one more time. I need a fresh wind. I need a fresh breath. I need a fresh spirit right now. Lord, blow through this house. Blow through this house. Blow through this house, Lord. Let your wind blow through this house. When I walk through the waters, yes. come on, I somebody declare it in their spirit today. Somebody when declare it to their, for their the family rivers, today. I will not be trapped. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.